From Tallahassee, Florida's capital city, North Florida Baptist Church presents the Family Bible Hour. That's two beautiful ladies singing a beautiful song beautifully. Don't you agree with that? And uh, thank you so much, Kara and Nicolette. Again, it is so good to see all of you with us today. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, we're going to look at verses 5 through 14 today of the Gospel of John as we see the Holy Spirit at work. Someone wisely stated, if you have the Spirit without the Word, you blow up. 
If you have the word without the spirit, you dry up. If you have the word and the spirit, you grow up. That's what we want to do. We want to grow up in the Lord. So we want to hear the word of God. We want to speak the word of God. But we want to be led by the Holy and taught by the Holy Spirit of God. This morning, I'm going to speak about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, particularly how the Spirit guides us through something that we call conviction, conviction of the Holy Spirit. A family carpet cleaning business offered a special service for removing pet odors. To show the potential customers their need for the service, they would darken the room Then they would turn on a powerful black light. The black light caused the remnants of pet urine to glow brightly, and I know that's horrible, but it's a great illustration. To the horror of the homeowners, every hint of the pet's daily habits glowed brightly on the carpet, drapes, furniture, and even on the lampshades. That's a big dog. One, One homeowner begged for the light to be turned off. She said, I can't bear it anymore. I don't care what it costs, please clean it up. And another lady said, I'll never be comfortable in my own home again. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you've got a carpet cleaning service, um, the black light will sell carpet cleaning for you. The offense was there all the time, but it had been invisible to them until the right light was exposed to it. Now, it would have been pretty bad for the carpet cleaning service to come in and say, I want you to see all of this. It's too bad we can't do anything about it. Kind of like Spirit Airlines said to the Vietnam veteran, too bad we can't refund your money. Um, By the way, they're going to refund his $190. I I heard that uh, this morning. They're going to go ahead and refund the $190. Of course, that's after they've lost probably tens of thousands of dollars in business and millions in in, business. goodwill. After the light was shown, the carpet cleaning company uh, would always get the job of cleaning the carpets. This isn't too far away from the way the light shines or the, the way that God shines the light of his commandments on us, not just to make us feel guilty, but to give us a way to fix what's wrong in our lives. He was a cleaning service, or he has a cleaning service, that is God, to offer salvation, and that cleaning service is Jesus Christ. In his prophetic and poetic words, Isaiah offered this from Isaiah 118, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be or become like wool. That same offer is given to you and me. And the Holy Spirit of God is a major part of delivering that offer and that promise and that cleansing uh, to us. God does a work, and when God does a work, it is the work of the Holy Spirit made available to us by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Whenever God's working in our lives, all of the Godhead is at work in our lives, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what John writes about the Holy Spirit's work, beginning in John 16 and verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteous, because I go to the Father, uh, you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth is com- comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Vital to everyone's understanding of the Holy Spirit of God, also referred to as the Holy Ghost oftentimes. The thing that is vital to our understanding is to realize that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Son is God. You do not have three separate gods. You don't have three gods on the same team. You have one God in three manifestations, all equal, all true, all living. You say, well, one shows up here, and then one shows up here, and then another one shows up. No, there are plenty of times in the Bible when they're all three present. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Let me just stop right there and tell you, there's yet one of the reasons that we baptize by immersion in the Baptist church. Jesus, when he was baptized, went down into the water and came up out of the water. So it says, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, if you look at that, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all there at the exact same time. John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. There in one verse is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. But when the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness unto me. If the Holy Spirit is God, What is different about the work of the Holy Spirit of God? What is the unique thing about the work that the Holy Spirit of God does? Does the work that he does, could it not be done by the Father? Could it not be done by the Son? Well, they're all God. But the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is a unique and special thing. Let's talk this morning about, first of all, the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no distinction in the essence or power of the Godhead. By that I mean, not one part of the Godhead is more powerful than the other. They're all God. God the Father, very powerful God. God the Son, as much God as is God the Father. God the Holy Spirit, as much God as are both God the Father and God the Son. And the reason, they are three in one. You say, Pastor Ray, I don't think I really understand that. Well, I know I don't really understand it. 
There are a lot of things in the Bible that I don't understand that I accept because I do not have the ability of the mind of God. I have some of the understanding, but I don't have all of the understanding. And there'll come a day when I do understand it, but right now I just don't get it. I believe it, but I don't get it. All three are just as much God as the other, but there's a distinction in how they work and how they are present in our lives. The Holy Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son because of his special service in our lives. Now, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? What is the service of the Holy Spirit? First of all, the Holy Spirit empowers us. That's a work. Now, I don't give you that by way of importance. That's just chronology. That's, or excuse me, just a, a reference. It's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit of God empowers us. A Barna survey recorded that Americans who believe in angels do not always believe in the Holy Spirit. 75% of those responding to Barna said that they believe that angels exist and have influence in people's lives. However, only 61% take that the Holy Spirit is that. In fact, uh, 61% believe the Holy Spirit is a, an emblem or a symbol and not a living entity. And 55% of Christians believe that. There's a large number of believers in this world who do not understand that the Holy Spirit of God is alive and well in our lives. The Holy Spirit is represented by the symbol of a dove, but he is God, and he empowers us to do the work of God. We're not spiritual vigilantes. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit when we do the work of God. We do not empower ourselves. We are vitally linked to him. And unless he blesses, what we do is a powerless work. Look, it's a very important thing to understand that we are vessels. That's all that we are. We are vessels to have the will and the power of God poured into us and then yield ourselves for that same uh, power and, and Holy Spirit of God to pour out from us his work. We're just a container. Thank God we're a container. We're just a container, however. In Psalm 127.1, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. There are a lot of people that, that try to uh, do the work of God without the, uh, the power of God on their lives. And there are a lot of people who try to conjure up the power of God so that they can say the they have the power of God, but there's no evidence of the work of God in their lives. Here's where we want to be as believers. We want to find ourselves in the work of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. A.W. Tozer wrote this, the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, not something added now and again to produce a deluxe type of Christian once in a generation. No, he is for every child of God a vital necessity. Vance Havner put it this way, there's a lot of spiritual smog in the churches. Nothing will blow that out except the same wind that blew at Pentecost. You want to have, you must have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
I often communicate the importance of your relationship to God's people and God's house. You hear me talk about that all the time. There is no question that every believer should be faithful to church and prayer and Bible study and giving and so on. That being said, if we walk in the spirit, those ingredients and more will be added to our lives. It's a very simple thing if we seek to walk in the spirit of God. Galatians 5.25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. That's a beautiful thing to know that you are walking in the spirit. Sometimes you can go to a play and you can see a stage light that's on a darkened stage and there's a single circle on it and the, the speaker comes out and stands in the circle. Now in that case, as the speaker moves, the circle of light follows him. But in the case of the believer, if we follow, we follow the path that is lit for us ahead of us. We are looking to what the, where and, and how the Holy Spirit is leading. The work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in yours is to empower me. This morning before I preached, on several occasions, I asked the Holy Spirit of God to take what I would say today and to make it real in your lives and for me to say what, what God wanted me to say. Now, there are a lot of times when we think that that you have to have a certain style in order to have the, the Holy Spirit on your life. The Holy Spirit comes with uh, this style of preaching or that style of preaching or that style of singing or whatever it may be. But the truth is the Holy Spirit of God is God and the Holy Spirit can empower anyone who's yielded to him. I had the privilege of hearing W.A. Criswell, the great pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, I had the privilege of hearing him preach his last sermon. There were people that led him to the platform of the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville. I thought to myself, he will not make it through the sermon. And he walked up and he put one arm on this side and one arm on this side and he leaned over. And he delivered the message just like this. Now, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit of God took over that man. He was not animated. He did not jump around. He did not uh, uh, speak in tongues. He did not do a lot of things that people think has to be done in order for you to have the evidence of the Holy Spirit on your life. He leaned on that platform and he declared the word of God and heaven came down and glory filled our soul. The work of the Holy Spirit is to empower us. Secondly, the work of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us. John 16 and verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 7, that a believer can have a unique kind of peace. I talked about this on Wednesday night that the believer can have a peace that passes understanding. The only way that is possible is through the presence and comforting power of the Holy Spirit of God. The word helper uh, is translated in the King James Version as comforter, and here's what it means. It means encourager or exhorter, exhorting someone to comfort, comforting us. The healing 
uh, power that God gives to us in our soul is the work of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Our place is to accept that comfort and not fight against it. Many of you know that one of our dearest members is in the hospital. Actually, I think she'll be getting out of the hospital today or tomorrow. Maybe she's already out. But one of our dearest members, you say, Pastor Ray, it's a risky thing to say dearest member because people are going to think, "Uh uh-oh, he doesn't think I'm a dear member. Let me tell you who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Betty Fell. Betty Fell's 81 years old. She had cerebral palsy, of course, all of her life. Betty Fell normally sits over here, and she is not doing very well at all. Betty is struggling. I've been to see her a couple of times. She was in the hospital, and I... I dropped in on Betty the other day and was there to encourage her. And at one point, she told me about some things that she was worried about. She said in her halting way, and I've always understood Betty. Uh, I've, I've never had, God has given me an ear for Betty and, uh, and, and I, a heart for her. And, and I believe she has a heart for her pastor too. But Betty began to tell me of some things that she was uh, worrying about. And I told her, I said, look, Betty, worrying is not a part of your recovery. This is not something you're supposed to do. How can worry help you to get better? How can worry help you to get well? I said, Betty, here's what you're supposed to worry about. Absolutely nothing. You're not supposed to worry about one thing. Just don't worry about it. She gave me, but what if? And I said, there's not any what ifs. In, in a person that's not worrying. And I finished visiting with her and I started to walk out and I got to the, the door of the ICU unit and, uh, or, or her little place there and I turned and I looked back at her and I said, Betty, what are you supposed to worry about? And she said, nothing. Right, Betty, nothing. And then she laughed. I love that. I went in to see her, and I'll I'll give you this little anecdote. Betty is so full of fun. I went in to see her, and and, uh, she looked at me, and she said, you know, you and I have an arrangement. I said, I know. You're going to do my funeral when I die. She said, no, the other way around, the other way around. I said, well, we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. But I'm going to tell you something. What I said to Betty is true for all of us. We don't have anything to worry about. You say, Pastor Ray, don't you sometimes worry? Yeah, I do. You want me to tell you how I worry? Outside of the will of God. Because God doesn't want me to worry. He's got everything under control. The Holy Spirit of God is my comforter. I need to take comfort in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. We are to pray and to trust God, but the Bible says that we are to never worry. Philippians 4 and verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. If you're a believer, you should not fight the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You should not resist the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Stop resisting. My son Matthew is is in police academy down in West Palm Beach. After his grandfather died, 
he realized that this is what God wanted him to do, was to be in law enforcement. His grandfather was in law enforcement for 50 years, the longest-serving police officer in the history of Nashville, Tennessee. And when he died, Matthew said, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to carry on Pawpaw's legacy. I'm supposed to, to continue his legacy. Now, Matthew has a, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, and now he's gone, and he is getting his training. He's getting his what they call standards for law enforcement. He called me this week, and he, he was laughing. And I said, what is it? He said, oh, Dad. He said, class was real exciting tonight. I said, what was it, son? He said, well, you know, we're doing defensive tactics. I said, all right. And he said, Dad, they sent in this big woman from the SWAT team here locally, and uh, she was going to show us how much we knew about defensive tactics. And I said, uh-oh. He said, oh, Dad, she was six feet tall. She had muscles on muscles. This was a big woman. And she showed up in that black SWAT outfit. And I got the picture right there. And he said they had the different ones to, to go up to her. And, and uh, uh, they were supposed to take her down. And he said, Dad, she just, well, I won't tell you what he, exactly what he said, but it involved whipping a certain part of their anatomy. And she was whipping all of them. And Matthew is the class leader, and they turned to Matthew, and they said, uh, don't you think you should go next since your FDLE friends are, still, are here? And there were some people there from FDLE, and they were uh, certifying the class, and they were watching Matthew. And, and uh, he said, no, I don't think I ought to go. And they said, go ahead. And uh, his, his, and forgive me for doing this, but his uh, um, instructor speaks with a little bit of a lift like this. And he said, go ahead, Mr. Ray, go ahead. He said, well, okay. So he walked up to the woman. He was scared to death, and he said, put a chokehold on me. And she did. And she put that chokehold on him, and Matthew did something that the others hadn't done. He did something that's called a leg sweep. And when he did the leg sweep, he took her off her feet, and she slammed her head on the mat. And then he jumped down on top of her and flipped her over and pulled her hand up behind her back and started yelling, stop resisting, stop resisting. I said, that voice went up, didn't he? He said, oh, yeah, Dad. He said, stop resisting. <laughs> His instructor came over and said, I've got to tell you something, Matthew. That was one of the most beautiful leg sweeps I've ever seen. The point to that was she needed to stop resisting, and that's what Matthew was supposed to do, was tell her to stop resisting. I'm here to tell you to stop resisting. Stop resisting the Holy Spirit of God. If the Holy Spirit of God wants to comfort you, let him. If the Holy Spirit of God wants to lead you, follow him. The Holy Spirit of God wants to empower you, yield to that power of God. Stop resisting. This is exactly what we should do is stop resisting. If you're a, a believer, you should not fight the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to empower the believer. It is to comfort the believer, and it's to teach the believer. In verse 26 of John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16 and verse 13, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, this is a very important verse for us to understand in trying to hear the instruction 
of the Holy Spirit. Notice that he doesn't speak of himself, but those things which are given by Jesus, who is called the living word. If you think you have heard from God instruction, I've heard this, I've heard this said. I've heard people stand up. We had a testimony time. When, in fact, this testimony ended all testimony times in this church. I, I used to have testimony time, public testimony time. All right, come on, just anybody wants to give a testimony, it'd be like a night service or something. Come on, just come give your testimony. And, and this lady, oh my goodness gracious, she came up and gave a testimony that must have been in the Koran because it was certainly not in the Bible. I went, oh man, oh, ooh, yikes. That was it. No more testimony time. He said, wasn't that a little drastic? It was very safe. It's a very safe thing to do. If you think the Holy Spirit is leading you contrary to Scripture, listen very carefully to me. The Holy Spirit's not leading you. Because the Holy Spirit came here to teach you what Jesus said, not contradict what Jesus said. You ever <clears throat> made a statement like this or heard somebody make a statement like this? Well, I know what the Bible says, but now don't you listen to me. That is not the Holy Spirit of God talking. Holy Spirit of Bible uh, of God doesn't say, I know what the Bible says, but Jesus tells us that the Spirit is there to harmonize with him, not to contradict him. If you think you're hearing from God on a subject, the first way to check it out is to look into the Word of God. And if it's consistent with the Word of God, then you might be hearing from God. But if it's inconsistent from the Word of God, then you're hearing from some other source. So the Holy Spirit is there to empower us. He's there to comfort us. He's there to teach us. There's one more thing. And that is that he is there to convict us. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning righteousness and judgment. Now, conviction is an interesting word as it relates to our spiritual lives. Conviction is something that is alive in the heart and the life of a believer. It is both the inner standards by which we live and the feelings of conscience that drive us to repentance or to, drives us to those standards by which we live. <clears throat> it is the presence of God's Holy Spirit which convicts us of our sin and should be the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings us about to our spiritual posture in life. A lot of times our spiritual posture is, posture is formed by certain quirks or somebody that we knew here or somebody that we knew there or, or something or I've always believed. I've, I've heard people say, well, I've always believed this. It wasn't scripture what they always believed, but because they always believed it, that is their spiritual posture in life. The Holy Spirit of God uses the conviction of the Holy Spirit to bring us to the spiritual posture that we're supposed to have. Holy Spirit conviction is more than a work of conscience. It is, uh, it is the guilt of conscience, a sense of godly sorrow. And our conscience tells us that we ought to do right, but it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us of the path of righteousness. Everybody has a conscience except for uh, people that, that uh, have a personality disorder by which they have no conscience. But when we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it is beyond the conscience. It is a leading to the right thing. It is a leading to righteousness. Everybody can say, I feel bad about doing that, but the Holy Spirit of God leads us to the right thing that we're supposed to do. I feel good about doing this. I believe I obeyed the Lord. Now let's talk a little bit more about that Holy Spirit. 
What is the woe? We've seen the work of the Holy Spirit. What's the woe of the Holy Spirit? Well, what is it when uh, to know that the Holy Spirit's trying to bring about a conviction in our lives? I do not often advocate a dependency on our feelings. In fact, I think we have to be careful about that. But in the case of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's a lot of the way that the Holy Spirit works. Let, let me talk about when you are feeling a conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit is saying, stop what you're doing, start doing this. Or the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the way that you ought to live your life. This is the decision that you ought to make. This is the path that you ought to take. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you in that light and begins to direct you in your life, I want to, I want to show you how that feels, if you will. First time, first of all, sometimes it, it's a feeling of dismay. Now, not despair, but dismay. Luke chapter 3 and verse 10, the crowds ask him, what then shall we do? This is a response to the message of John the Baptist. Here's a similar response to Simon Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Whenever someone is without the knowledge of, the Holy, of, of Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, we use the term lost to refer to their condition. And it's a good word to, to use because... That's the way that they feel. They are dismayed. Some of you, if I were to ask you, if you died today, do you know for sure <clears throat> that you'd go to heaven? You'd say, I just don't know. There's a little dismay inside. I'm going to tell you what that dismay is. That dismay is the Holy Spirit of God telling you you're lost. That dismay is the Holy Spirit of God telling you that you can be found. You're in a dismay regarding eternity. You have no good answer for your soul. No real hope regarding your eternity. Even saved people are sometimes have a sense of dismay regarding God's direction in their lives or unconfessed sin in their lives or sins that continue to plague them. That dismay for a believer causes them to lose a sense of sure footing. They stumble in their walk instead of being sure in their steps. They're not walking in the light, they're walking in darkness, and there's this <clears throat> sense of dismay. And, and why do I have this sense of dismay? It's the Holy Spirit of God telling you, you need to walk in the light, not in the dark. If you want to have sure footing, step into the light of the Word of God and walk in the light of the way of God, and, and you'll have sure footing. Otherwise, you have this conviction thing that makes you feel dismayed. Here's another way the Holy Spirit of God brings about that woe in our lives, and that is by exposure. Have you ever <clears throat> done a wrong thing and got the sense that everybody knew about it? I'm not going to have you to raise your hand, but the truth is there are a lot of people that have done that. No one may know, but you feel that you are telegraphing your sin to everyone who sees you. They know. They know. Why are they looking at me like that? I went to church today, and that preacher preached right at me. What would you say to him? Everything that was sung today was geared, that whole service, everybody else was there, but that whole service was right around me. I want to know, who spilled the beans on me? That'd be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does those things. That, that dismay or that, that sense of exposure is the Holy Spirit. It often will make, <clears throat> it will reveal what is really in our hearts and, and it will conjure up what's in our hearts. 
God's, God oftentimes will, will bring that about in us as the word of God is preached. In fact, I'll say this. I've already preached enough today of the word of God that the Holy Spirit has already caused somebody in here to say, he's talking about me. Okay. I'm going to talk, I'm going to have a little conversation with somebody when I get home because I know they email the preacher. No, no. No, that's the Holy Spirit of God using the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of souls and, and, and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom he must give an account. <clears throat> this is the way <clears throat> to describe that feeling of nakedness. We feel exposed. Everybody knows. It's like getting something stuck in your teeth. You ever been to a restaurant and got a little hunk of salad stuck in your teeth? And then you, you got up and went to the restroom or something and you washed your hands and you went, oh. And then you come back. And when you come back, you're looking around at everybody because you know they saw that poppy seed in between your teeth. Everybody saw it. I can't believe that everybody saw it. Or maybe somebody at the table is kind enough to tell you. And immediately you put your tongue over it. You ever done that? Oh, hi. <laughs> hmm, give me a minute. You know what? The Holy Spirit of God will do that. The, the Holy Spirit of God will, will make you like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. And you say, I just feel like everybody's watching. Everybody knows. Sometimes the Holy Spirit takes a much different emotion. Sometimes uh, people respond in anger. You may have had someone near you to respond with unexpected anger to the news of what Christ has done in your life. Oh, I want to tell you, I got saved. God is so good. God is so real in my life. And, and all of a sudden, that person that you're speaking to, a whole new thing comes out in their life. And, and they've been real happy for you for everything else. But all of a sudden, they're angry about this. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit of God. They're resisting the Holy Spirit of God. It's, it's one of the responses. You may recall that this was the response to Stephen when he preached the truth to the people who did not want to hear the truth. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The reason for their anger is very obvious. Some who may not know how to deal with these new emotions in their lives respond in anger. I'm never going to go back to that church again. <clears throat> I was preaching at the women's prison and uh, here in town, the FCI, and Arthur Beckton is the uh, chaplain there and, and he is uh, kind enough to invite me to preach to the ladies once in a while. And, and there was this woman, I, <clears throat> I told you about the, the uh, woman SWAT officer. There's this, this very large Jewish woman, very, very large. I mean, she's probably six, two or three. She, she's big. She'd go bear hunting with a switch. I'll just tell you that right now. Big woman. 
And the first time I was there, she sat back there and right the very middle. And uh, I preached through the sermon. She didn't look like she was very interested. In fact, she looked like she was angry. <clears throat> I was glad we were in a prison. I, I, you know, I figured surely she didn't have a weapon. But then again, she, that woman didn't need a weapon. I gave the invitation. Next thing I knew, she was standing up front praying to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. Next time I went back there, she said, do you remember me? This time she had on an usher shawl. She was an usher in the chapel. She said, do you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. Couldn't forget her. She said, the last time that you were here, you started preaching about Jesus. She said, I'm Jewish. And you started preaching about Jesus. It made me mad. And I wanted to stand up and tell you that you're a liar. But there was something that kept me in my seat. And I thought, thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and she said, I don't know why, but you gave the invitation. And I was standing down front, right in front of you. And I'm a Jew, and I don't even believe in God, but I prayed to receive Jesus. Now I'm an usher. I hope she's still doing well. Sometimes that's the way that it is. Sometimes people spend years in anger, just years in anger in the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just years. I've got people in my extended family who are so angry at God, it's unbelievable. You ever see these people get on television and they're just angry with, <clears throat> with God? You say, what's wrong with them? They are angry at the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You say, they don't believe in God. Yes, they do. That's who they're so mad at. If they didn't believe in God, they wouldn't care. That's always blown my mind, how people fight against a God that they don't believe in. If you don't believe in it, just don't believe in it. He, he shouldn't be a factor. Yeah, but everybody else believes. Well, so what? Sometimes the the response is anger. Let me get to the very end of the sermon, and that is we, we've seen the work of the Holy Spirit and the woe of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the way of the Holy Spirit. Just how effective is the way of the Holy Spirit? Can the Holy Spirit be resisted? Well, first of all, I want you to know the Holy Spirit's way is powerful. The power of the Holy Spirit conviction is the power of God, and resisting the Spirit is resisting God. The Apostle Paul tells you about this in Acts 9 and 1, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so, he found, uh, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone round about him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. <clears throat> are you under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Have you determined that you're going to beat it? I'm going to beat it. I'm under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> but I'm going to beat it. Look, you can do one of two things. You can lose to win or you can win to lose. Matthew 16, 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what it, uh, will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give 
in return for his soul. There's no winning or resisting the Holy Spirit of God. It is futile to resist the Holy Spirit of God. It is just futile. You say, what about our free will? You do have a free will. And you exercise that free will against the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit of your God, and you will ultimately see the futility of it. The way of the Spirit is powerful. And here's the last thing. The way of the Spirit is fruitful. There's much to be said about the fruit of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, but above all else is that the Holy Spirit leads the soul to believe. Acts 4.4, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Acts 11.21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Holy Spirit of God. The way of the Holy Spirit conviction is to bring the lost, the dismayed, the exposed, the hurting, and the angry souls to peace with God through Jesus Christ. What is in your heart this morning? Are you in dismay regarding your eternity? Let the Holy Spirit of God comfort your dismay and change your life. Are you angry? Do you lack peace? The Holy Spirit of God is as real today as he was on the day of Pentecost. He is here to empower you. He is here to convict you. He is here to convince you. He is here to teach you. He is here to comfort you. I urge every believer hearing this message to walk in the blessedness of the Holy Spirit of God. You have been watching the Family Bible Hour, a ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD or DVD, write to us at Family Bible Hour, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com or call us at 850-385-7181. Join us again next time for the Family Bible Hour. When you find someone in trouble And you don't know what to say The best thing you can do for them Is to give yourself away Lend a hand to lift the broken Let your heart break when God's heart breaks Speak up for those that have no voice And give yourself away Give yourself away Be the hands of Jesus Give yourself away Go out and make a world with difference He saw the death that sin had made. 